Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. Well, this is, uh, we're kicking off a new series um, <clears throat> that's simply off the title, off of the beloved Christmas carol, uh, What Child Is This? And I think it is so important that when we come into this, to this holiday Christmas season, that we are conscious, that we are aware, that yes, we understand that unto us was born this day a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and we celebrate a Savior. But we were given so much more than simply a Savior at this point of, of Christmas. We were given so much more, and we want to make sure that we get the fullness we want to make sure that we get everything that's included we want to make sure all of it is there it's nothing's more frustrating than to have something and to to deal with life and you ended up missing out on all its best features we don't want to do that we want to make sure that we are connected there so if you have your sermon notes you have your uversion app open you you have your good old bulletin that we put in your hand on the way through here then you can go ahead and follow along because Christmas is a time for us to reflect on the greatest gift that we have ever received. It is Jesus. And we're going to come from this aspect of, through this whole series. But I really wanted to set it up because the concept of who is Jesus is a currently debated subject. There are those in our society that, that connect with us and say Jesus was a man that walked a planet that was divine. And was, and was the son of God. And he physically taught. And he lived. And he was crucified. And he was buried. And he physically rose again. And then he expressed himself for another period of time. And then he, he ascended into, into heaven. There are those who believe that, yeah, he was a man. But he was a good man. He was maybe even a little bit prophetic. We're still kind of on the fence. There are those out there that believe that Jesus is a completely fictitional, no historical precedence whatsoever. You find people all over the place. The question of who is Jesus is still debated all over the place today. And hopefully for us as Christ followers, that's pretty much sealed. If you're here this morning and maybe you're on the fence, maybe somebody just drug you and said, hey, we're going to go to this new church that just opened up in this old furniture store. Let's go check this out. And so then maybe you just got drug here and you're still on the fence about who Jesus is. That's fine. You're in a safe place. You can, you can be honest and say, I'm still trying to decide who Jesus is. But what we're going to do this morning is we're going to explore who the Bible says Jesus is and who we believe Jesus to be. Because even in Jesus' day, they still didn't quite get it. They didn't, still didn't quite know. Let's look at Matthew 21.10. It says, when Jesus entered Jerusalem... It says, the whole city was stirred and asked this question. Who is this? Who is Jesus? They've been hearing stuff about people getting healed. They've been hearing stuff about miracles, about people, little loaves of bread being turned into baskets and baskets and lots of people eating. They've been, they've been hearing about some resurrections. They've been hearing about all sorts of stuff. 
certain people were saying he was a, he was a rebel rouser and, and he was going to create this, this big push to, to throw off the, the Roman oppression, that he was this leader of a rebellion. Everybody didn't, nobody knew who he was. Who is he? And this is just so vitally important. Mark 4:41 says, and they were terrified. This is Jesus' disciples. This is Jesus' disciples that just witnessed him do an incredible thing where, the, where nature itself succumbs to his will. And, they, and the, the winds and the waves, it says, and they were terrified and they asked each other, who is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? See, who is is the most important question. Who is Jesus is the most important. Important question. What child is this that we celebrate at Christmas is the most important question. And I love it that God has been seeding and putting all of this stuff in all along. Well before we even knew that there was a question to be had. Cutie and I have had the, the, the privilege of getting to, to, have, to bring into this world seven amazing children. And so as, we, as the, <clears throat> each little one comes along from Keenan all the way down to Preslin... And anybody who's ever had a child understands this moment, especially as dad. Somehow we, we're pretty sure they understand mom. But as dad, we've kind of been on the outside this whole time. There's a special mother-child bond. And I know as dad, I've sat there and every time, the first time I hold my child in my hands, they don't understand, they can't, they don't get this. But there was something in me that wanted them to know. And I sit there, and I, I'm going to get emotional again. But I just tell them, I'm your daddy. I'm your daddy. They're just crying. Their whole world just got rocked. <laughs> they don't even know what light is. They're like, oh my gosh, it was cozy, 98 degrees. I'm cold. I've got all this space around me. Light is penetrating my eyeballs for the first time. I don't care who you are. <laughs> Cover me up. But I don't care. They're all messy and nasty and beautiful. And I just want them to know I'm daddy. I want you to know who I am. And our Papa God has wanted us to know who he is. And that best expression is Jesus. And it goes beyond. And part of the, the growth of me as dad and them as child is to begin to learn and to grow more and more and discover who I am to them. One day they finally begin to learn, hey, that guy's got this little card that you swipe it and they let you walk out of the store with stuff. <laughs> dad is provision. All of a sudden, dad can like get that toy. He can get me some nuggets when I'm hungry. Chick-fil-A loves the Clark family. We like our nuggets. And so, but that is so important. He's been telling us all along, so we don't even have to start in Matthew and in the Gospels to begin to discover what child is this. Let's go back to Psalms. Let's look at Psalms 24.8. Psalms 24.8 says, Who is this King of glory? It's this prophetic psalm talking about Jesus looking forward to him. It says, he's the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors. 
Everything that's tried to be walled off, all these ancient things that have tried to, to establish who God is and all these different things, you're going you're gonna to be shifted. Everything's going to be tilted on its hinges that the king of glory may actually come in. Uh, so many times all of our old traditions, so many times all of our old misconcepts, they're keeping the king of glory out. And so as we walk into this, what child is this? Let's not put up any unnecessary, ancient, even for ourselves, old mentalities where we block out. Why? Because the king of glory wants to come into your life. He wants to come in and express himself in ways you didn't think were possible. Our God is a good, amazing God. Who is this king of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the king of glory. And I love that Isaiah 9-6 answers this question of what child is this? Way before Jesus came along, began to let us know what our Savior was going to be for us. You're familiar with it reading this way. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. But for the point of this series, I want us to shake things up a little bit. Why? Because sometimes our, we get familiar with things. We just get, we just get familiar with them, and we just kind of get, get into autopilot. Seriously, how many of you, when you got it, when you left for church this morning, headed to the movie theater? How many of you? Some of you. At least one honest person in here headed to the movie theater. Here's what was so funny is last week was our last week in the movie theater. And I was so used to coming to this building. I was so already here at this building. Is, uh, and Weston is, he's, Weston is a very polite, respectful young man. He's our, he's our senior in high school, 17 years old. And we get and we're leaving for, it's, you know, our, our normal pullout. It used to be normal, 626 in the morning. That let everything fall just right if we leave at 626. And so we would pull out and we're leaving at 626. And I cross our, the, the place where we normally turn. And, and Weston says, Dad, um, you missed your turn. I was like, no, I go this way sometimes. Well, it's because going to the building, sometimes I keep going down our street, and sometimes I take the jog over and hit a more, a more major street earlier. So he doesn't say anything, but he's sitting there over there thinking, we never go this way. <laughs> I don't know what's happening with this man. So I go on, and he just leaves everything alone, and then I end up on Austin Street to head to Knickerbocker and go on, and then Weston so politely says, Dad, did, did you forget something at the building? I was like, forget something. Ah, oh, I'm headed to the building. We have to go to the movie theater one more time. And I did. I was just totally on autopilot. I wasn't thinking. And so we're going to look at a different translation for this because the, the Eugene Peterson with the message translation, although it isn't necessarily the best word-for-word -word translation, I wouldn't say build all your theology on the message translation, but there are places where the message translation really, really helps and puts it in some language where we can connect. And so um, I'm not a Hebrew scholar. Uh, I don't know if any of you are. So all of us, this original Isaiah written in Hebrew, we, we all have to go off of somebody's translation. And so for the purpose of this, we're going to cruise through the message translation of this. So Isaiah 9, 6 
says, for a child has been born for us. I love the way he goes ahead and right off the bat removes, because it sounds, so many times we can forget. It says, for unto us, and we put it back in that historical context, and for unto them a child was born. But I love that Eugene Peterson puts it in this, for a child has been born for us. He was born, Jesus was born for you. He was born for you so that you could have a relationship with God. You were on the outside looking in and you needed somebody to step in. For he was born for us. The gift of a son for us. He'll take over the running of the world. His names will be Amazing Counselor, Strong God, Eternal Father, and Prince of Wholeness. And over the month of December, we're going to be looking at, at these four titles, these four things that Jesus is for us. And this week, we're going to be looking at Jesus as our amazing counselor. And so when God gave us Jesus, we were given an amazing counselor who would bring reconciliation to us. We needed reconciliation. We needed things fixed. We needed the, 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 the tension between us wanting to go our own way and, and, be, and, and we're disconnected with God and, our, and dead in our sins. And we needed that fixed. We needed some reconciliation. And that an amazing counselor was given to us. Wonderful is a good word. I use it all the time. Sometimes people will text me. I probably used it yesterday. Somebody said, hey, I got this done. And I may have texted wonderful. And I really mean it. It's not the sarcastic wonderful. It's the real one. And so, but I use the word a lot. And he, that God is wonderful. And he is a wonderful counselor. But I want us to just think about the fact that he's an amazing counselor. You know what? How much different would the movies be if instead of the amazing Spider-Man, we had the wonderful Spider-Man? I mean, what, what might be different if we had a, card, had a comic book about the wonderful Spider-Man. He'd still be good. He'd still be awesome. But there's something else about this place of amazing. And when you're wanting counsel, if I gave you two people, and I said, man, both of these give you wise counsel. This would be good stuff. This person gives you wonderful counsel, and this one gives you amazing counsel. This one gives you wonderful wisdom, and this one gives you amazing wisdom. In our culture today, you're probably going to go, I want that amazing wisdom. Well, God gives us that. God gives us that. I don't know about you, but I'm not smart enough to live the life I live. I'm not. I'm not smart enough to be a husband. My wife can tell you, I do a bunch of dumb husband stuff. I need some help on that role. Much less parents, seven kids, all a little bit different, all unique. To just in my first two primary roles as a husband and a father, I'm, I am stuck. I'm just not a smart enough man. To be able to do this well, I need an amazing counselor to be, so I can be an amazing husband. I need an amazing counselor so I can hopefully be an amazing dad at, here and there at times. And then I've got to be a pastor to y'all. And I tell you what, I'm in way over my head on that. And I'm so thankful that I can come to God and it doesn't have to lay all on me. That I can go to God and recognize that when I need I need help, I need wisdom, I need guidance, that he is there 
to give it. And I hope that you understand that you have that too, that he is your amazing counselor. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 5.18. Remember, we needed reconciliation, one who would bring us reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, all of this is from God. We're going to go through 19. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and has committed to us this message of reconciliation. I tell you what, that was the only way this was going to work, is if God was willing to not count all Brandon Clark's flaws against him and say, you know what, I'm going to fix things between the two of us. I'm going to tell you, you need that kind of amazing counsel. You need a God that doesn't count all those and hold those things against you. That they have been dealt with 100% in Christ. And we celebrate every Christmas the fact that God loved us so much. That all of the stuff that get in the way, the bonehead messed up stuff that we do. That we have a God that loves us and forgives us and restores us to himself. Also, when God gave us Jesus, we were given an amazing counselor who would give us clarity instead of confusion. See, a counselor helps you make decisions and get through tough times. There are people that come in and become become an advocate and be able to help you when you have difficult moments. And I'm telling you, we need those. I'm so thankful First and foremost, for my wife, who is an amazing person of counsel for me from, for just dealing with life and dealing with the, the church and all of those different things. And she'll remind me and tell me, hey, did you think about this? Did you do that? Did you do those things? And the Holy Spirit speaks to me through my wife on a regular basis. Thankfully, the Holy Spirit speaks to her through me, too. Like, twice. Has it happened Twice. Things happen two times. I'm going to count the second one. But then I have a wonderful board. We have a wonderful group of elders who help us out. And as we're navigating and pursuing different things, that when we hit a place that there's one who can give us counsel and wisdom. And I tell you what, and I won't, I won't make the guy uncomfortable, but we were having some issues with getting our building permit. And, and there was a man at the city who happens to be with us today um, who really became an advocate for us. And um, I'm telling you, things began whenever he began to get involved. Um, places where we were making no traction. It took us 11 months to get a building permit. And we were just hitting our heads on different things. And finally, all of a sudden, then we had somebody who was willing to step in and to say, hey, let's, let's begin to make this happen. And we technically, under normal regulations, shouldn't be able to meet here this morning because the building's not finished. All of the codes that have to be met, they're not, they're not, they're not met. We need certain exits. They're not in yet. There are bathrooms that we need. They're, they're not in yet. The studs are still exposed. But they gave us a temporary occupancy, believing that we would honor that and we we working real hard to make sure we're safe and all of that but also that in that there was an advocate who said you know what this 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 is covered let's get that done it's nice to have earthly advocates but we run out of earthly wisdom 
And we hit a place where we need God's wisdom. And I want to tell you, so many times we can turn to everyone else for advice and we forget to turn to the one who loves you the most and created you. As you're dealing with difficult times this holiday season, talk to him. Just talk to him. You can be in the middle of a situation you think there's no fix for it and God has a fix. He may ask you to do something you're a little uncomfortable with. He may ask you to forgive when you really with a fix you wanted would went a little different direction. He may have send you into a different place, but his wisdom is good and it is amazing. Hebrews 10, 8 through 10, 8 through 12. We're not um, <clears throat> says, This is the covenant I will establish with the my with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. Now he's putting it in our hearts. He wants to guide us from the inside. It's no longer about all of the external stuff. It's about God living within us. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power of love and a sound mind. My gosh, how many times do we just need a sound mind? There's no condemnation with this at all. But I know there's a lot of folks that really battle anxiety really difficult. And, and all of a sudden, things can get, begin to, to get whirled up and, and things get ramped up. And, and we weren't called to live from an anxious place. We weren't called to live in a place of fear or, or being anxious about anything. But to live in a place of peace, a place of wholeness with Him. And the only way that's going to happen is when we begin, when our mind begins to get out of that place of it being fully sound and in its right place, is we begin to take that to God and let our amazing counselor begin to say, hey, guess what? I've got a solution. You don't have to be afraid of that. I'm, I'm, I'm in charge. You don't have to be afraid of that. That he, God is so good. And then when God gave us Jesus, we were given an amazing counselor who would guide us. John 10, 27 through 28 says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they'll never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. John 14, 6 says, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, Christianity isn't just this exclusive thing that all of a sudden we're just... just are, are, are down on all these other religions. It's the way this is done is, is Jesus really is the way. There was no other way. A way to God didn't exist. But we felt the need for God, which explains all of these different religions and all these things popping up and people, you can go to a little remote tribe out on some, some island and they'll be worshiping. Why? Because we were built to connect with God. We were built for it. And Jesus is the one who made the way so that we could be in a place of rightness and wholeness. Jesus is also our connection to the Holy Spirit who guides us into all truth. John 16, 7 through 13, and we're going to close with this. But verily I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. 
It's for your good that I'm going away. He's talking to his disciples who've watched him calm the waves, who've watched him feed thousands, who've seen him heal, who've seen him interact and, and, and have such wisdom that all the smartest people got shut up. There are times that people try to catch Jesus and Jesus would say one thing and they finally, they're like, we're just not going to go back and forth with him. He makes us look dumb. And he would just stop and he would just, his wisdom would shut him down. There was, wasn't anything. And these guys are hearing this man that they followed that can pretty much handle everything that's ever been thrown. And he's like, it's good for you that I go away. And they're like, eh, eh, that sounds bad. <laughs> sounds like it's bad if you go away. This is why we left our homes and our jobs and we're following you. We pretty much sleep everywhere you sleep, ever not, Jesus. We're, we're kind of needy. We don't want you going anywhere. And he tells them, it's good for you that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, the counselor, the comforter, the one who's going to be able to come and be all of these things for us will not come to you but if I go I will send him to you and when he comes he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin righteousness and judgment now if you stop right there there's certain translation says that he's going to convict the world of sin righteousness and judgment and man I tell you what you just pick and you just stop that when you're like that's right there's a lot of sin a lot of sin God's going to get them all. He's going to convict the world. The Holy Spirit's going to convict you of sin, righteousness, and judgment. You're a sinner, and I'm righteous, and you're judged. That's the way this goes. But let's keep reading. He was going to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment about sin because people don't believe in me. It's about sin because everybody's breaking the law and running crazy and all of the different horrible stuff we see in our world. No, it's about sin because people don't believe in me. That's it. All the other stuff, when we understand that he's brought righteousness, it covers all of that other stuff. It takes care of all of it. At this point, it's not about all of the, the naughtiness of life. It's about how righteous and how amazing Jesus is and for us to believe in him. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. Well, how does that make sense? About righteousness, because he's going to the Father? Yes, because he's making everything right. But because of what he's done and completed, you and I are made 100% right with God. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Is it judgment because you now stand condemned? Is it judgment because your sorry neighbor who does all these horrible stuff, they now stand condemned? Is it just because everybody who voted different you should be condemned? Oh, no, no, now we're getting, stepping on toes. I didn't tell you how I voted. As far as you know, I voted like you. And about judgment, because the prince of this world, the enemy, the accuser of the brethren, the one who's sitting there and has it out for you, stands condemned. 
sin is dealt with, righteousness is granted, and the one who's on your heels is judged. What better good news in the world is there than that? All stuff that, is, that comes against us has been dealt with. He says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. The Holy Spirit is a gift. A gift for every believer. To lean in the Holy Spirit, to, to have the, the guidance of the Holy Spirit, the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. We ought to take advantage and enjoy the amazing gift of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Why? Because there's no challenge in life. There's no challenge for you, mom and dad, who are frustrated with your kids. The Holy Spirit loves them. God loves them more than you do. There's an answer for you to be able to parent them and guide them. There's no marital problem that the Holy Spirit can't guide you through. There's no financial issue that the Holy Spirit can't guide you through. God is there. We can look to Him for guidance. Bottom line, Jesus is your amazing counselor, and there is nothing you will face that's too challenging for him. As you celebrate this holy day, Christmas is a holy day. And as you celebrate the holy day of our Savior being given to us as the most amazing gift, remember, Jesus is the greatest gift ever given. It's wonderful to do the lights in the tree. We have one. It's wonderful to do all that fun stuff. But in it, remember, it's all about Jesus. And he's so much more than just the baby in the manger. He's so much more than just simply a savior. There's so many more involved. And as you're stepping into this, let him be your amazing counselor. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.